I hope you got a, a, a sheet here, and there's no, no, uh, no fuss, no muss, no fill in the blanks. You've got all the answers. Just follow along with me here. The, the practical components of prayer that are listed here is, number one, prayer must be prioritized. Uh, you know, I think it was the, the last sign. How many of you remember we used to have a sign out here that it was the old, old kind of sign? Somebody's phone's ringing, amen? Hallelujah. Who is it? Everybody's looking. Brother Rick, amen? <laughs> uh, we had a sign out here, and it was the kind where you put the letters in, amen? And, you know, letters are always falling out and all that. And remember what happened to it was it got absolutely decimated by a snowplow. We had slushy snow, and it just it did away with that sign. But the last sign that we had up, whenever that was, I think it was like 2011, 2010, was this. You always have time for the things you put first. You know why we don't pray? Because we don't prioritize it, Period. You know, you know why I don't pray more, Brother Hauser? Because I don't prioritize it like I should. It takes for granted here. If you look, the assumption provided is, look at verse 5. It says, and when thou prayest. Verse 6, but thou, when thou prayest. Verse 7, but when ye pray. Does it say if you pray? It is assumed that God's people would pray. To do that, it has to be prioritized. Listen to me. You have to block out time to pray. If you don't, you won't. Now, here, here's what, I, I, again, I go back to my Bible college days, and we had a sweet, sweet elderly lady uh, named Margaret Decker. Mrs. Decker was such a sweetheart of a lady and just ridiculously intelligent. Uh, she handled the education part of things. And, and uh, she, I'll never forget, on orientation day, uh, freshman year, and she had a really unique voice, amen. And I can remember her saying to us, she said, now you're going to want an hour to study. She said, but you're not always going to have an hour. And she said this, Miss Judy, she said, so you know when you need to study? When you can. She said, you, may, you take 15 minutes and study because you don't have a whole hour. I, you know, if we take that into our prayer life, we'd be more effective in prayer. Say, look, I, I would love a sweet hour of prayer, but I hit the snooze button too many times. So it's going to be sweet 15 minutes of prayer, but I'm going to prioritize those 50. You know when I used to pray when I first got saved, Brother Merklinger? I used to pray on my way to work. I had a, a nice, easy country drive. It was about 45 minutes. And I would just, just pray. And, and again, when, when you're a new convert, uh, prayer is so wonderful. It's so simple. You just feel like God's listening to you. Boy, we ought not to lose that. But we do, don't we? I, I remember literally, <laughs> just, I, I'm telling the truth, I'm, I'm telling them myself. I used to seatbelt God in. I used to buckle the belt right next to me. Now, I don't think he needed a seatbelt, amen, but I was talking to a person. I was talking to God, amen. Listen, the, the assumption provided is that Christians will pray. 
secondly, the appeal put forth. We don't have time to, to look up all these verses. We're going to look them up later uh, in our study. But the appeal put forth there by Jesus in Luke chapter 18, especially verse 1, is that men ought always to pray. First, first Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. That just means being in a constant spirit of prayer. Again, dealing with those exclusions. Why? Uncle Joe, so we're always on praying ground. That we can pray at any point during the day when somebody calls and says, so-and-so was in an accident, please pray. I don't have to go through my Bible and think, well, I gotta, let me look at those 13 exclusions, make sure. No, just the idea, the appeal put forth here is that we would be able to pray any and at all times. And then the awesome potential. The awesome potential is prayer moves mountains. We have access to the throne of God. We can come boldly to the throne of grace, as it says there in Hebrews 4.16. So prayer must be prioritized. Secondly, and I like this, <clears throat> prayer must be pure. It tells us in verse 5, <clears throat> And when thou prayest, Thou shalt not be as the what? The hypocrites. Okay? So there's the caution. We're not to be as the hypocrites. What were the hypocrites? They were play actors. They were one thing here and another thing there. You know, the highest compliment you can be paid at work is to, forgive me, not give in to the dirty jokes not be part of the worldliness, and just, hey, just be a Christian. Just be a Christian. Just be somebody who's not a hypocrite. You're a Christian when, with your, when you're with your church family, but then when you're with your worldly friends, you're something else. When it comes to prayer, God says that's a no-no. It, prayer, prayer not only needs to be prioritized, prayer must be pure. So there's a caution. But then there's the character of those hypocrites. What, <clears throat> what is their character? It says, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues <clears throat> and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. So their whole prayer life is for people to see them and hear how wonderfully theological they are and, and impress people. That's just their character. They want to be seen of men. That's not pure prayer, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> there, <clears throat> there's nothing wrong with praying in church. Nothing wrong with praying with your brothers and sisters. Amen? Nothing wrong with praying here at the altar. But... We don't do it to be seen of men. Not at all. So there's the caution, there's the character, and I, <clears throat> I put this in quotation marks, there's the carrot. You ever, you ever seen that, that uh, commercial? I can't remember what it's for. It's like an insurance company. Some guy had a little dollar bill on the end of the fishing pole, and he's putting it down, the guy's reaching up, and he goes, oh, you almost got it. You almost got it, you know? They say, what's the carrot that the devil gives to the hypocrites? Oh, that, they, they, that men, would, men would praise them for their wonderful praying. They, and you know what God said about them? They have their reward. That's it. That's all they're getting. Just forgive me, just a little carrot. Just a little carrot. So there's prayer must be prioritized. Prayer must be pure. Prayer must be private. 
And we've already dealt with this in the fact that Jesus didn't only pray in private, okay? But saying as a general rule here, we, if we, we could say it this way, before we pray in public, we ought to have prayed in private. I remember at Midwestern Baptist College, and I love, I love my days at Midwestern, Dr. Malone was there, and and uh, there, there was somebody, we, every day we would, we would do the church, we would do the college creed, which is a, it's a wonderful creed. I believe in the inspiration of the Bible and the deity of Jesus Christ, God's Son, in whom we have salvation from sin by faith through grace. I believe that God has given to the church the responsibility to evangelize the world through the preaching of the gospel and personal soul. And I will seek to live today so as to be ready to meet him at his coming. We used to say that every day. It's ingrained in me, Miss Kim. I couldn't miss it. Amen. But then we always also said the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And inevitably, some zealous freshman would come and say, what is this, a Catholic church? You know, I pray in the Lord's Prayer. And uh, Dr. Malone had the ready-made answer as, as an 85-year-old college president. Brother Merklinger, he said, we pray the Lord's Prayer every day at 10.30 a.m. in chapel because it's probably the first time some of you students prayed all day. Amen. <laughs> oh, mercy. Prayer, listen, nothing wrong with public prayer, but here Jesus gives us some, some requirements about private prayer. He says prayer should be private. He says there in verse number 6, look at it, but thou, when thou prayest, so the first thing we see is the closet, enter into thy closet doesn't have to be an actual closet. It can be a room. Forgive me, it can be your car. Amen. Can be what what's the idea here? Someplace private. Someplace between By the way, if it's a closet, great. Amen. And so you see the closet and then you see the closed door. Again, the emphasis here is on privacy. It's just you and God. Just you and God. So the closet, the closed door, <clears throat> and then in verse 6, we see the communion. So he says there, Enter into thy closet when thou hast shut thy door. <clears throat> pray to thy Father which is in secret. The communion. Pray to your Father. Listen, if, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God is your Father. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Galatians 326. So there's the communion, and then I love this, then there's the compensation. See, we don't get that carrot, that pat on the back. Wow, you're such a good prayer. <laughs> you ask for things from God in secret that only you and he know about. It says there in verse 6, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward openly. And by the way, it's not so you can say, hey, guess what I prayed in secret? <laughs> but you know the wonderful thing when you do pray things in secret and you know that God rewardedly op rewarded you openly? You know it. You know it. It's, it's beautiful. Amen. Say, pastor, has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. It's happened to you, I'm sure. Amen. Those of you that pray. So 
the compensation. So prayer must be prioritized. Prayer must be pure. <clears throat> prayer must be private. And, and here, really, prayer must be personal. Prayer must be personal. And it, it warns us here in <clears throat> verse 7, when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. So it warns us about the rep repetitions. And again, uh, some of us in this church grew up in, in, in Roman Catholicism. Brother Tim, I can still remember some of those vain prayers that I prayed that didn't mean a thing to me. But I, I can, by the way, I can still say the Hail Mary. After all the years I've been out of Catholicism, I can still say some of those vain things. God says here, don't, don't, don't use vain repetitions. Now, let me counter that in saying there's nothing wrong with praying for the same thing over and over. Jesus Christ used the exact same word three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. The exact same words. And he prayed these same words. So the same words is not the same as vain repetitions. Okay? So it, it tells us there about the repetitions. It tells us about the reasoning. Why do the heathen do those vain repetitions? They think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Well, the more I say, the more God will hear. No, that's, that's not exactly true. And I like this. The idea of personal prayer has to do, not only you have the repetitions and the reasoning, but it has to do with the relationship. The relationship. Look there at verse 8. It says, Be ye not therefore like unto them. Don't be like the heathen. They think they're going to be heard for their much speaking. Don't be like the hypocrites either. But it says, For your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. There's a relationship there. Again, if you're a dad or you're a mom, I think you get this. You understand this. That you know your kids have needs. You, just, you say, hey, just come to me. Just ask. If I can help, I will. See, the only difference between us and God is he doesn't have to say if. If I can help. He knows if you go down a little further there in Matthew chapter 6, go towards the end of the chapter. And it just has to do with the, <clears throat> the idea of relationship here. Remember, <clears throat> he deals with worry. And by the way, the antidote for worry is prayer, according to Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Well, <clears throat> the end of Matthew chapter 6 deals with worry, worrying about uh, raiment, worrying about food and uh, clothing. He says in verse number 31, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. And then we get that famous verse that we know so well, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How can I seek ye first the kingdom of God? Because my heavenly Father knows I have these needs, and he's told me to just ask him. And, and listen, that's personal. That's not vain repetitions. It's personal. 
Just talk to your father. Talk to your dad about it. You know, my, my kids are getting to the stage now. I have two teenagers. Pray for me. We, we have figured, you know, here in three more years, we're going to have three teenagers. I'm ready, Elizabeth. I'm coming, right? You remember? <laughs> you know, nothing breaks the heart of a father more than watching their child struggle when all they have to do is come and ask for help. That's just a personal relationship. Just a personal relationship. Prayer is to be prioritized. Prayer is to be pure. Prayer is to be private. Prayer is to be personal. We're not to be like the heathen. We're not to be like the hypocrites. We're just like to be like one of his children because that's what we are. So just some practical components of prayer tonight. We're, we're out on time. I'll tell you what I'll do is I'll just pray from the pulpit here tonight. If I could get my four volunteers for